Turn in your Bibles, would you, to James chapter 3. We started a new series on your what? Your tongue. I'm, I'm working on two series at one time. In fact, I get on the one series and I get so involved and obsessed with that, I forget I got to move on to, to this one. And the other one I'm working on right now for the days ahead is on the latter end. And uh, we're living in the last days. But the Bible has a lot to say about your latter end. And it's good. And so we're going to be getting into that. But this morning, um, we're going to continue with, with the, the tongue. You don't need to turn there. Proverbs 18.21 in the Message Bible states that words kill. Say, words kill. Say, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. See, we make choices every day. Well, we're going to use this little member for right here. Um, <clears throat> there was years and years ago, um, there was an individual that was introducing Thomas Edison. How many of you remember who Thomas Edison? I would hope you were. They were at a dinner, and this Toastmaster mentioned Thomas Edison's many inventions dwelling at length on his talking machine. The aged inventor then rose to his feet, smiled and said gently to the audience, I thank the gentleman for his kind remarks, but I must insist upon a correction. God invented the talking machine. I only invented the first one that can be shut off. Yeah. Sometimes we have a hard time shutting this tongue off, don't we? Now, we learned last week that there's these two different things that, number one, words reveal how mature you are. You can get around someone and tell if they're immature or mature. Then, number two, we we learned that words reveal what? The condition of your heart, for out of the abundance of the the heart, the mouth speaks. So we can find out how mature people are, and then we can locate people where their heart condition is, what they're like. In James chapter 3, in verse 1, let me read it to you from the Message Bible. It says, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you would have a perfect person in perfect control of life. Amen. I was going through the scripture and I found this. I forgot about this scripture. I'm going to read it to you. It's from Psalm 139 and verse 4, and it'll make you think. The psalmist says, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. The message translation says, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. What do you you mean, preacher? That means God knows every word you're going to speak. Even before you utter that word. Every word you and I have spoken in this lifetime, God knows those words. Oh, why is it so quiet in this Presbyterian church? 
Think about all the words you and I have spoken. Think about all the words Abe has spoken. Every morning on the radio when you turn it, tune him in, what's he doing? That's his job. It's his responsibility. Words are his responsibility. But to think that at the end of your life, you're going to stand and I'm going to stand before the judgment throne of God. And the Bible talks about idle words. And Timothy Scott had mentioned that, and idle words. And I, I looked it up, and he gave me the definition, but this is what I found. Idle words are worthless. Everyone say worthless. Careless. They have no value or they're useless. How many of you in your lifetime have spoken worthless, useless, vain words? Just me? Just remember next time you, you're, gonna, you're thinking about something, just remember God knows what you're thinking. He knows the words that you're about to say. And if, if we realize that we, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to be pure vessels of honor, sanctified or set apart for the Master's use, we're going to remember the words that we speak and make sure they're words that build others up and encourage people, lift them up instead of tearing them down. Now, let's go on. Let's look at the third one. Just one more on the, in this part when we're talking about the tongue. The tongue rules your actions and it gives direction. Your words and my words rule our actions, and give direction to our life. Your words and my words can have a great effect upon fulfilling your spiritual destiny. Words are powerful. How was all this created? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Are we created in his image? We're spirit beings. We live in a physical body, but we're spirit beings. And so it stands to reason if God created us, we're going to operate the same way he does, in faith and by speaking words. The tongue is small, but it is mighty. Its power and influence is for good or for bad, and it's out of proportion to its size. James chapter 3, look at, you're there. In verse 3 it says, <coughs> Indeed we put what in horses' mouths? Bits. That they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Is a horse hard to handle, Larry, sometimes? Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. <clears throat> the message translation says, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skillful captain sets a course in the face of the strongest wind. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Are you getting the picture? How important your words and my words are. You know, the psalmist said, Lord, that my tongue be as of a pen of a ready writer. 
See, we can use our tongue for good as well as for evil. And it gives direction to our life. I'll never forget this. This is years and years ago. We were up on the James River north of Yankton, and a lot of us ministers were together, and there was somebody up there that had horses. And so we all got on a horse. Kathy got on a horse. And, uh, you know, when you don't get on a horse very often, it's a new experience. And she got on that horse, and if I remember right, Ing slapped that horse on the butt. And she, that horse took off. And I mean, it took off. And, of course, she's on that horse. I don't know if you were, you were trying to use that bit. It had a bit in its mouth. But that horse came to a stop and threw you right into a water puddle, didn't it? It slid in the water puddle and then threw her off. <clears throat> See, your tongue can be unruly. Your tongue can be wild. And that's why, you know, we got to pull back on the reins of a horse with that bit. And you can use that bit. You can pull this way and you can pull that way and it'll give you direction. An unruly and wild horse can take its rider in the wrong direction and even throw him. So can an unruly and runaway tongue take you in the wrong direction or even hurt you or even hurt others. How many of you have ever hurt others with your tongue? And I hope you felt bad. Look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32. We're on a subject. It's an important subject. Because we want to use, learn to how to use our tongue and our words correctly. So that they can bless others. Mike Keyes called me this morning. He's in Fremont. And he said to bless you so you're blessed. Getting ready to go to the Philippines, and he's believing God will pray Wednesday and get an agreement. They need $6,000 for part of their outreach. They have three groups coming over, and uh, they're believing. Now, listen, they're believing for 7,000 souls to be saved. So we're going to get an agreement with him when we pray Wednesday night for that. Now, look at uh, Psalm 32, verse 8. Psalm 32, verse 8. This is a psalm of David. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's the Spirit of God. David spoke prophetically, and and that's God saying, I will instruct you, people of Harvest Church, and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. Look at verse 9. Do not be like the what? Horse or like the mule? What do they say about a mule? You're stubborn which has no understanding, which which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they would not come near you. So you got to use a, you know, a bridle. Sometimes you got to use a whip. You got to kind of give them a kick. But we don't want to be like a horse, do we? We don't want to be like a mule. It is with men as with horses control their mouth, 
and you will con- control their actions and you'll control their directions. So if you don't like the direction you're going, what should you maybe do? I sure, I'd check up on my heart first, the condition of your heart, and then I'd start using my tongue. The believer must have God's wisdom and grace in order to rule his tongue and therefore rule all his actions. Say this with me. I need God's wisdom. I need God's grace. I'll give you some scriptures. Just listen to them. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with... No, it, it's, it doesn't say sometimes. Let your speech always... Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So your speech and my speech should always be with grace. Someone else should be controlling our speech. The spirit of grace. The spirit of God. So you know how to speak. Luke chapter 4, in reference to Jesus Christ in verse 22, so all bore witness to him or to Christ and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. When's the last time someone said, Julie, I just marvel at the gracious words that come out of your mouth? That's probably Shane. Shane said that. When's the last time anybody was impressed with your words? Think about that. Whether your work, whatever you do, your words reveal your character. Your words reveal who you are. Amen? I go places, places of business, and you know some places I, I, I don't like to go unless it's fish and time, then I will go to Walmart because I need night crawlers. Otherwise, I don't like to go to Walmart, and I don't like to go to Menards. Know anything about Menards? Remember those old? Aren't you glad you've been delivered from Menards? Look where you're at today. But you go into places of business. Dean, you're good with your words. You're a salesman. You were a salesman. You still, you know, talk shop. But you go places... Have you ever gone to places like Menards or Walmarts or a restaurant and these young people today don't know how to use their words? They, they're very indifferent and apathetic. They could care less if you're there or not. But then think about it. How many of you go someplace and you're impressed with somebody? I'm going to tell you something. Stop what you're doing and tell them you're impressed. Thank them for being a good employee. Thank these young people talking to you. You know, I, I, the first thing I ever taught my boys was how to shake hands. You know, and today, you know, Dean, you know how to shake hands, don't you? Have you ever shook hands with somebody? Yeah. These things aren't taught anymore. We need to let our words be grace, grace-filled words. Learn how to talk to people. Look them in the eye. Shake their hand. You go places, you know, there's, I'm just, I just leave because my father was a businessman and that's where I was groomed for the ministry, was waiting on people and selling them shoes, smelling stinky feet. Mike, you, Micah, you couldn't have done it. I don't know if you would have liked that. Then I moved up the ladder 
when I went to Oral Roberts University and worked there while Kathy was teaching, I cleaned toilets. So I, I advanced from feet to toilets. All preparation for ministry. Don't be afraid to get dirty. But you learn how to deal with people and talk to people. It's really important. Acts 6.10, remember Stephen? What happened to Stephen? Who was Stephen? The first martyr. It says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. What do you mean? They, when Stephen stood up and said something, everybody listened, and they, weren't, they were not able to resist him because of the words, the grace-filled words and the anointing that was upon his words. Ecclesiastes 10.12 says, the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. So how many of you people today have grace, gracious words coming out of your mouth? Let me see your hand. Two of you? Well, then you're wise. What's that make the rest of you? I'll tell you. But the lips of a fool swallow him up. So if you're able to speak gracious words and use your tongue correctly, the Bible says you're a wise person. But if you can't do that, you're a fool. Say, I'm glad I'm in church today. Look at Psalm 17. How many wise people do we have here today? Your hands should go up, even if it's by faith. Back to David, our example. He wanted to use his words correctly. Psalm 17, verse 3, David said, You've tested my heart, you've visited me in the night, you've tried me and have found nothing. Now look at this. Verse 3 of chapter 17, Psalm 17. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. What did he say? I have purpose. What a way to wake up in the morning. I purpose this day, Lord, to use this little member correctly. I purpose today, Lord, to use this tongue to bless others, to encourage others. That'd be a good way to start your day. Then he goes on to say, concerning the works of man by the word of your lips. Whose lips? God's lips. I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. I, I've always liked that scripture. By using the words of the Father, you can keep yourself out of the pathway of the destroyer, who's Satan. Your words affect you. Your, my words affect me. It's important every day how we use our tongue. Look at... Um, Psalm 39. These are all Psalms of David. Psalm 39. He understood the principle of using his words correctly, using his tongue correctly. Psalm 39, verse 1. It's a David said, I said, I will guard my ways. Did you notice how he's, he's very emphatic in what he says? I will. I said. I will guard my ways lest I what? Sin with my tongue, I will restrain my mouth with the muzzle while the wicked are before me. Do you ever just 
just get before somebody and, you know, this is, this is my wife on when we have the news on. And we hear these people, and they are wicked people. And it just, you just want to, you know, slap them. You can't, though. Try slapping the TV. It ain't going to work. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. That's something I think we should just hand out here as you come in the church. No, when you leave the church today, we'll have your own personalized muzzle. You got any muzzles down there for a horse? Bring one next week, would you? Okay, I'd like to use it. On me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But what if we just handed out little, little muzzles every week as you leave here? I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. This is the way I am every day in McDonald's drive-thru when I get my senior coffee. I have to watch my mouth and restrain it with a muzzle. My heart was hot within me while I was musing or meditating. The fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. So, In other words, just don't let her out. Take some time and think about what you're going to say. David said also in Psalm 19, verse 14, he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, O Lord, be a pleasing or be acceptable in your sight. Finally, look back at James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Again, <clears throat> the tongue gives direction specifically, and we see this in the verse, in verse 4 of James chapter 3. Look also at ships. So let's use ships as an example. Although they're so large... They're driven, are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very what? Small rudder wherever the pilot desires. The right governing of a small rudder will steer and turn the ship. So will the right use of the tongue govern the whole man or the whole person, your whole being. A rudder can direct a ship in a fierce storm, and so can your tongue give you direction in a fierce storm. Anyone here ever been in a storm? Physical storm? How many have ever had a spiritual battle, some kind of physical battle, mental battle, emotional battle? Just me? It's real important that you use your tongue correctly when there's no storms in life, but it's also important to use your tongue correctly when you're going through a storm. How about the disciples and Jesus when they're in the boat and the storm came and they're crying out, oh, my God, we're going to sink. All those disciples were in fear, and I'll guarantee you they weren't saying, peace, be still. Who had to do that? Jesus. So your tongue and my tongue can give you direction and bring you through a storm. 
You know what I do a lot of times when I'm praying? And I'm praying for my praying for Micah. Praying for Caleb, praying for my wife, praying for you. I speak grace. I declare and decree the grace of God upon the people of Harvest Church. What am I doing? I'm using my tongue and my words to bless. Because if the grace of God is on you, you're going to be going in the right direction. Taming the tongue requires discipline, diligence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing to remember. Taming your tongue requires discipline. But there are a lot of undisciplined Christians out there talking about, you know, if they can't discipline and, and develop a budget and, t- and not spend so much. See, Brad, I was going to tell you, if you want to know how to do a budget, marry a woman that knows how to do a budget. My wife can squirrel away money. She's good at it. She's got 4,000 envelopes with 4,000 different headings. And I go in and I say, can I have my $10 allowance? That's all I get a week, Dean. She gives me 10. It used to be 5. I'm up to 10. I couldn't find my allowance if I had to because there's so many. She open that bag there and I'll open that bag. It's bulging and it's full of envelopes. She says, I squandered on McDonald's coffee. You know, I've said this before. I don't even know if I want to live if I can't have my McDonald's coffee or my Casey's donut every day. What's the use of living? I get the senior coffee. That's right. I was getting that before I, I think I was even entitled to it. I just, they thought I was older and they gave it to me. Taming the tongue requires discipline, diligence. Now listen, this is the final thing. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it takes diligence and discipline on your part, on my part, but it also takes the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something. What's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? You speak in in tongues or you speak in a heavenly prayer language, huh? Power, but what does it affect? What member is used when you're filled with the Holy Ghost? Your tongue. Dr. Hagen, I'll close with this, said, Yielding the tongue by the Holy Spirit to speak with other tongues is a giant step toward fully yielding all of our members to God, for we can yield this most unruly member we can yield to any, or yield any member. Words reveal your level of maturity. Real, words reveal a condition of your heart. Words will give direction to your life. Let's stand to our feet this morning.